Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on what time you're listening to Hockey the Podcast, wherever you are. Hope you're having a great time. We're in the midst of a lockdown in South Africa, but uh, we've just heard the news, for this recording at least, that we are in the process of starting to phase it out. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll be back and uh, legalize to go outside soon. Let's hold thumbs. But in the meantime, if you are stuck indoors, if you're stuck in a car on your way to work or the shops, because that's the only place that you can go, uh, then you've got plenty of time in which to listen to Hockey the Podcast. We certainly have taken this opportunity to try and get as many people on the show as possible. But uh, one person you can always guarantee is on the show uh, because he's got a 100% track record when it comes to Hockey the Podcast. <laughs> I don't, so I'm going to start a couple of them, uh, is my co-host, Tyron Jabu Barnard. Uh, how are you doing, Ty? Yeah, Derek, uh, you're always good. I mean, obviously, we're hearing news that uh, the lockdown is starting to lift in certain ways. Obviously, as at time of recording, uh, we still have to digest the news and the press conference fully. But um, yeah, look, I think obviously it's a long time till it could be a long time till we see full sports integration again. But there's so many wonderful sports stories that need to be told, and and we're not shying away from that at all during this this time. No, not at all. And and one of the things we've been doing, and I know we've advertised it quite a bit on the show, is putting together a sports quiz, the uh, lockdown sports quiz, Trivia Titan. Um, and uh, it started off being a, a fun little thing for, for our friends and doing it in the evenings, and then that blossomed, and it turned into a, a fairly big public event. Yeah, listen, we do still have a, a, a friends one that is just uh, for our consumption, that yeah. uh, is not being recorded or shared anywhere. And uh, last night after we finished one, um, uh, probably another three hours after that, we stayed up <laughs> chatting. And it was kind of like a, an old pub quiz when the the guys are kicking us out, um, the bar, except now we didn't have to. So there's there's some good uh, positives to Zoom. And of course, yeah, the public pub, uh, quiz has been great. Obviously, uh, because I'm one of the quiz masters, there is going to be a hockey question or two in there. Um, and in fact, what we'll do is uh, the guest tonight will make sure she is one of the answers in next week's quiz. Well, well, I think I think we should double it up. I reckon we should feature her in a question. And secondly, we should feature her as a guest because we were joined by a host of the Sporting Stars for our last public sports quiz, um, which included the likes of former Springbok captain Warren Whiteley, um, a guest on the show previously, uh, the, the goalkeeper for South Africa in uh, Russie Peter. So we also had another Russie in Russie van der Dissen, uh, van Bouillon, Tabray Shamsi, Fahan Bardin, uh, the list goes on and on. So I reckon this next guest should definitely be on there. Um, and I don't care what she says about her sporting knowledge uh, because she can definitely be better than some of them that were taking part already. Um, <laughs> but but I want to pose the question to you, Ty. Uh, what is that record you're telling me me about uh, before we, we, in, we let her on to the show? Yeah, this is the all-time top international goal scorer. As far as I know, nobody has overtaken her since she retired. 282 goals in 287 test matches. That's almost as many yellow cards as Bismarck Duplessis got in his (laughs) test match career. I don't care who you are or what sport you follow. Um, People say that hockey doesn't have the biggest following in the world. And yeah, that may be true. But if you're South African, it doesn't matter if you've never watched a minute of hockey. You know this name. Uh, This is hockey royalty the world over. And on top of that, no disrespect to previous guests, but I reckon this is probably uh, we've reached the gold standard time. We haven't got bigger than this. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it at you. Is uh, I've I've been fortunate in in my sporting wanderings to meet some really amazing people, um, and I must be honest. When I first met this person, there's only one other person that I was able to meet that got me as starstruck. Oh, thanks. And I, I appreciate it, man. This. And yeah, that was you, Derek. No, <laughs> um, I was fortunate to meet Sir Alex Ferguson when Man United came here. I'm not a United fan, but I was properly starstruck by that man. Um, and I was properly starstruck by none other than Pity Kutsia. Yeah, don't speak yet, Pity, because I'm counting down. Five, four, three, two, one. We've just gone over five minutes into the show. That's the longest intro we've had for our guest uh, <laughs> by a country mile. Pity Kutsia, welcome to the show. Wow, guys, very, very flattering. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I'm very, very delighted to... Um, to be joining you guys, um, get some South African accents. All I'm hearing lately is a lot of American, um, but so so nice to join you guys. Yeah, and, and Petey, obviously, you know, I, I've now I'm fortunate enough to rather call you a friend than just a, a star, but uh, um, it's it's been an amazing thing. You know, whenever I talk to people about hockey, they are, and I ask them, who do you know from South Africa? It's Marsha Cox, it's uh, maybe Greg Nickel, but it's always Petey Kutsia. Uh, you know, it's something special. You've you've left a mark, not just in the hockey world. So before we dive into why you're in America, you know, how do, how does how does that make you feel? <laughs> um, yes, it's it's again a very flattering. Um, I think uh, on you know on my side, I was in the game for so long. I, I was in a national team for 20 years, something around there. So it's a very long time, and especially towards the end of it where I think I got the best part of my of my playing out. Um, you know, that's when we started seeing all this social media happening and, and people started, started becoming a bit more aware. And we had a really good run in the national team. Um, so that helped to get the exposure out there. Uh, and, of course, then also the, the world record happened. And, and, and that was also quite a, a big media push there. So uh, I think I was lucky um, to be part of the team when all these things were going on. Um, so how does it make me feel? Yeah, you know, uh, I've, I've just felt like a, a hockey player. I, I really enjoyed playing for so many years. It's what I love doing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm known, I think, in the in the hockey circles more than anything. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm quite the star, but uh, <laughs> certainly certainly enjoyed my playing time. Yeah, and and. Uh, look, Peter. I, I mean, you, you're definitely underselling yourself, but it's that humility that makes you uh, <laughs> the star that you are. Um, I know that uh, you have uh, some big fans in the likes of of Dan Nickel. I know that my f- uh, friend Ben Kopinski from Follow the Bounce. Um, he'll never drink a beer with you again, but um, <laughs> uh, we can maybe talk about that later. Let's dive into the fact that you say you're only hearing American accents. For those who don't know. Why is why why are you in the land of Mr. Trump? <laughs> uh, I uh, last year, probably about this time, um, were approached by uh, the University of Massachusetts. Um, they had an assistant uh, field hockey coaching position available, um, and from there, I kind of pursued it quite hard to to take my coaching a bit further and I accepted the position um, at the University of Massachusetts. And yeah, it, it kind of happened very rapidly from there. I think the first chat 
we had was uh, somewhere in February. Um, I started checking the the weather apps more than anything, and I realized that if I do agree on this, it's going to be a huge adjustment <laughs> because at that stage, <laughs> the weather was sitting at around about minus 20 degrees Celsius, and I've never seen such a thing in my life. Um, I lived in Europe for a while, but that, that had nothing on, on minus 20. Um, yeah, and then probably around April, um, it was a done deal, and um, as soon as June uh, came in 2019, I we relocated as a family to Amherst in Massachusetts, and I, and I coached through one season now. Um, and you know, I was about to embark uh, in a few months in the second season. Um, but yeah, coaching uh, university level yeah in the United States. What was the transition like? You speak about the weather. I'm sure that wasn't the only thing, the new thing that you had to get used to. Also coaching, uh, taking on that role. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, the tr- complete cr- transition moving from little South Africa to big America. Yeah, it, was, it, it still fascinates me, uh, you know, just how enormous the university level sport year is. Uh, the incredible professionalism that they do things at here. Uh, so the transition was look it was it wasn't that big in terms of hockey you know I know hockey very well um, I've coached uh, at almost the highest level in South Africa so that's not really the, the hockey part is not the one that that for me was the biggest transition it was more the fact of getting used to just how large the United States is um, how many teams participate in this competition where we're standing in that competition and, you know, working with the athletes uh, that that's been playing in this, in this uh, sort of, on this sort of level. Um, so that's been the biggest transition. Also knowing all the rules. Um, there's a lot of rules and regulations that go hand in hand with NCAA sports that we participate in. Um, but, you know, one season down, it's just been nothing short of spectacular. So it's, it's really been a good um, transition for me. Sorry, I was on mute there. <laughs> 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 I muted because my wife came to ask me something. Um, yeah, so Petey, obviously um, you are now coaching there. Is the plan to stay there or is there a future that sees Petey could see a back coaching in South Africa? Uh, just like the future of COVID-19, I, it's a bit uncertain at the moment. Um, purely because, uh, look, we uh, committed to, I committed, but then if I speak of we, it's, I have to consider my family in this as well. We com- we, cons- uh, we committed to a three-year contract, um, and that's uh, a definite thing for now. And then I don't know what's, what's going to happen exactly after that, and I think it will be a bit premature to, to make any calls uh, what that future after the three years will look like. So it's a bit up and hanging. Um but that's that's what coaching a coach's job is all about, I guess, at the moment. Absolutely, is it? I mean, I, I know you're an ambitious person by nature. You also have a very uh, good coach in your family with uh, uh, that you guys can talk about hockey at home. So between the two of you, is, is there plans? Is there dreams of coaching at an international level? Maybe South Africa, maybe somebody else. Yes, there's there's always been a, that kind of talk. Um, in the family, definitely on my part, I've, I've always been interested in it. Um, so to answer you in very shortly, yes. Uh, yeah, thanks very much, Ty. <laughs> um, okay, so that's uh, 
Pitikits here <laughs> currently. Um, let's dive back into the past. Now, I mean, you've got a storied playing career. We gave you that five-minute intro, which, uh, yeah, which uh, doesn't come close to <laughs> – no one's ever come that close to, to having a, an intro like that, and, and, and rightly so. So, I mean, we've spoken about the goals scored, Pete. Does, uh, I played rugby at a very crap level, and I scored a, a handful of tries. I can remember every single one. Um, surely you can't remember every single goal that you scored in the international circuit, or, or, or can you? No, there's definitely I can't. Um, I also, unfortunately, I know some people, uh, someone like Roz Hull comes to mind, who can replay detail and score lines like nobody's business. If you want someone in terms of knowledge on your show, um, there's someone to go to. In fact, uh, if I can call a friend when I do join you for that show, she'll be my number one person to call. <laughs> But back to what I can uh, remember in terms of scoring goals, I, I don't remember many. Um, there, there are a few that I remember that stands out, um, and they are usually the ones that are either on huge stages or um, you know one that I've been working towards that I finally managed to pull off, uh, or the ones that is uh, you know that contributes to the larger scores, um, like for example. Uh, a 3-2 victory over someone like Germany, you know, something like that, a big, big uh, opponent. And Petey, what, what for you is a better feeling, the, the field goal or the penalty corner? <laughs> no, I'm afraid a goal is a goal for me. Um, it's, it, I, I always felt like I worked uh, equally hard to, to master the skill for both. Um, and with both of them, you know, there's, there's, there's absolute teamwork involved in getting that thing going and towards the goal. Um, I'm just the lucky one at the end that actually just put the ball in the, in the box or in the net. Um, but, yeah, both celebrated equally hard, um, whether it's a field or a PC goal, doesn't matter. Nonsense. You're down playing it. You just weren't the person that uh, just put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, you did a lot more than that. And d- did you feel, I mean... Obviously, once you started scoring with regularity, uh, you became more well-known, uh, not just amongst the public, mm. but amongst the opposition as well. So there's no question that uh, once you started gaining this massive reputation on being a goal-scoring ace, when you started facing these countries, these teams, um, could you feel the, the respect or gone? Did you feel like a, a marked player more and more as you played? Did, did you, uh, and, and was it mentioned to you before or after from opposing players? Uh, it it became evident when I started playing um, in Europe for a few seasons. Uh, you know, we my actual goalkeeper that I played alongside in the club team in Amsterdam. She was also the national keeper for for the Dutch, and they used to come out for a summer series in Cape Town, where two or three times in our in, you know that we played against one another there. And uh, prior to that, I would just leave the Netherlands to come back home. And then I was going to see her in January. So it was a month apart. And she would always leave me with the, something just to think about. When I see you in January, don't worry. We're going to be uh, looking after you very well. And you won't be you know, having any shots at goal at me. <laughs> so that's, that certainly started making me think about, oh, okay, you know, they are paying attention for sure. Um, uh, on the international level, though, 
uh, you know, I always felt there isn't a lot of space and time. And, and I think most opponents that you face um, are equally as good as you are, if not better. So uh, did they pay extra attention to me? Probably not to the extent um, where they would put two people on me. Um, it was more, there would probably be a tactic where they're going to not allow me to take a, a certain kind of shot because that's what they analyzed. I'm really good at. Um, and then, of course, that becomes a challenge to to force that on them and see if I can get away with it every time. Pity, you, you also, um, I mean, you scored some big goals and, and one of them that stands out, I was watching the highlights just the other day, was uh, the goal in the Olympic qualifying tournament, um, mm. which helped us go, I think it was 2-0 up, or potentially 3-0. I know Marsha tried to steal one of them from you uh, with a, a <laughs> sneaky deflection. <laughs> Um, but again, was it goals like that? Goals in the big defining moments that mm. made you sleep extra well at night? Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, those are the ones that I still really, uh, in in particular, I think the one you, you're referring to was the, the diving deflection goal that I yes. scored in India. Um, it was a, the, Olympic, the second Olympic qualification tournament that we had to qualify through to get to London. Uh, now, what made that goal so incredibly special was that I um, ha- had been dreaming and kind of working towards that goal for many, many years before. Um, and it just happened to be at this world stage where this goal was presented to me like on a golden platter. I couldn't believe it when I saw the defender, you know, kind of pulling the ball back, passing it back to her, her teammate. And I, I thought, you know, I'm just going to commit to this thing. Why not? Um, I don't really have a diving in my style of play. I don't like it. I, I like to be on my feet. And I thought just for this once, I'm going to go fully for this and, and see what happens. And uh, I managed to pull that goal off. And I mean, that was just for me, uh, if I can say the highlight of my entire scoring career, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was really, really spectacular and, and that it worked so well. You know, I, other times I got close, but I think the that time I had more commitment than any other time. So I was actually flat on my stomach and really just going for the dive. Um, so that made it extra special just to get that reward from that dive. So yeah, it, 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 that certainly is, is what, the biggest highlight that I, that I can recall from my whole career. What, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly, Derek, I'm going to quickly send you the skull and I'll send it to you too, PD, if you want to watch it. Please do. Just one time. Um, because I did actually, it was in my watch history just the other day um, on on YouTube because I was watching this and the whole Olympic qualifying uh, run where South Africa really did. We we were, you know, I said this, I was chatting to Marsha Cox the other day and I said, this is one of the games, you know, when we beat India 3-1 in that final. Um, it's one of the games that just, for me, purely... Uh, shows you what a proud South African is all about. Put your backs against the wall, and that's where you see the best of a South African. And uh, do you think a lot of that uh, element has come across in your coaching now, Petey? I I would say so. I, you know, uh, particularly now, I'm doing a lot of reflection on what type of coach I am, uh, what kind of lessons have I learned, and what can I portray now to the students that I'm working with. Um, uh, so there definitely is, uh, you know, a, a, obviously a huge 
like my personality comes through very strongly in, in my coaching. Um, and yeah, what we had to deal with as players in the South African um, kind of format that we always played in, uh, you know, that certainly uh, plays a big part now as well on how I uh, coach the game for sure. Um, I, I just, you know, we're talking about India and I can recall very vividly how we were all just so pissed off that we had to go back to this uh, qualification tournament after we already qualified. Um, but we thought to ourselves after digesting it a bit, look, if we're going to do this, we may as well do this well. And, and I, I remember standing in a little uh, huddle with, I think Marshall was there and uh, some other friends with uh, coach Giles Bonnet. And we kind of made a pact and an agreement that we're not leaving India. We didn't come all this way here. Uh, to not pull this qualification off and we're not going to lose the game here. That's, that was kind of the agreement we made. We were going to do it um, uh, and leave here with no losses whatsoever. And uh, just a detail that went into that particular tournament in terms of analyzing uh, India at that stage for us was a bit of a uh, one of those opponents that we would go up to. We had this history with them, two or three goals even, sometimes four, and they would claw their way back in the last few minutes um, to to bring back uh, and, and the game for them and they would beat us. And uh, I remember uh, the final thinking, you know, we're in this situation again and, you know, this is a perfect time for us to change that that kind of history we have with them around. And uh, I just, it was one of those games that came together so well, the analysis that we did on them. And uh, then the nail in the coffin, that third goal, I just thought there's no way they're coming back because we also had that feeling that besides the goals that we're scoring against them, they had no answers for anything that we did. And that was a, a huge victory for us. Pity, I mean, you, you speak about India. You also mentioned the likes of, uh, well, all over the place. I mean, just running through the, the amount of countries that you've toured to, uh, travel to, myself and Ty, are avid travelers. We absolutely love it. Um, your fondest memories from a traveling perspective, not necessarily results-wise, but, I mean, you've, you've been to many Olympic Games, uh, tournaments. Jeez, uh, you mm. just, uh, <laughs> you can rack them off. I, I I must agree with you. I'm also one of those that love traveling. Um, I've always had this thought, though, that I don't know if it's the actual traveling that I like, or I, I love it when I'm there. But the actually getting into the airplane and getting there over 20 hours or however long it takes, that I don't like at all. So um, I like seeing new places and encountering, you know, all the the new uh, cultures, etc. Um, I always some of my best memories uh, kind of, and you also have to re remember that if we travel uh, with a national team to go play a hockey tournament or training stage or anything like that, you kind of, you, you get to the country, we, we book into a hotel, everything is geared towards performance. Uh, we play the tournament, so you see the hotel in the field and the very next day, once you're done, you get back on the airplane, there's very little time to actually explore the places that you that you travel to. So the fondest memories I have is where, where I've made plans to stay longer at a, in a country, either with friends or just stay longer and, and, and see the place properly from a tourist point of view. Um, but yeah, so, some of the incredible, and, and that's one of the places I managed to do that was after the Sydney Olympics, um, stay on a bit and see a bit of Australia. I uh, saw a lot of the 
Western Australia. There's some beautiful wine wineries around Margaret River area that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and uh, another memory in South Korea, we, we, we once um, played in a tournament. And, you know, when there's a bit of a language barrier, it, it gets hard to, to travel around in the place. Um, but I remember us, uh, I was rooming with the, another player called J Jennifer Wilson. And um, we actually were roommates for, for most of our time playing. And we had a time that the bus was going to depart to the field. Mm. And what the other thing we, we always had a habit of doing is we get on the bus and, and everybody would say, check if your roommate's here. Mm. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> we got down to the, to the lobby and uh, we quickly realized that our bus, we were going to play Spain that day our boss had already left. Well, we mm -hmm. checked and mm -hmm. like, they've, they've gone without us and nobody even realized. We, we couldn't <laughs> uh, get any information to them or, or phone call or say, listen, guys, you left us for an international game. Come get us back at the hotel. Luckily, the Spanish team came out just after us and, and we kind of in broken Spanish, please, por favor, can we please get on your bus? And there, there we are in our national gear um, Jennifer and I are sitting right at the back of the bus and with the Spanish team. Um, and they took us to the, to the field. And only when they got to the field that the, our teammates realized that they left us behind. And it was like a huge <laughs> joke for many years after that. Uh, don't check that your roommates here. Cause I mean, if you, <laughs> you, you take the, the elevator together, um, you know, no one's going to know that they left us behind. And anyway, the, the Spanish team, uh, had all these dances and songs that they did on the, on their way to the field. And, um, they invited us to, to dance and sing with them. Uh, of course we didn't know what we were doing, but Jen, um, lucky for her because it's not in my nature to do that, but she got up and danced away all the way to the field with the Spanish team. So, <laughs> <laughs> that is magnificent. Um, yeah. uh, and Pity, uh, no doubt, I mean, all these traveling escapades that you managed to experience uh, would have led you to think, hell, you know, I'd like to do this on a full-time basis, not necessarily uh, just do it when I'm playing sport. And uh, I, I, I really doubt that that led you to this decision, but uh, you did retire once, uh, briefly, and make a well, return. Briefly, yeah, five five years. Uh, that's um, <laughs> I, I stepped out of the game for about five years. Mm. Yes, and uh, um, sort of in the middle of in the middle of, of of the whole thing. Yes, and yeah, and you you made your return. Uh, what was that like coming back? Firstly, what was it like leaving the game that you loved and and was your life, and yeah, being away from it for for almost half a decade. Uh, it's. You know, at the time of deciding to leave it for a, what I know, now know to be a little bit, um, I, I thought I was done. Uh, I played 10 years in the national team already, which for a lot of athletes, that is an entire career. So it wasn't that unusual uh, at the time for me to think that that's it. Um, you know, I was kind of tired uh, of it. I'd made a lot of sacrifices and, and um, commitments. Uh, I, I didn't really have a... A transition lined up for what I would do after I leave the national team. So in terms of career, I didn't have much going on. Um, and I got a bit nervous about that. Uh, you know, we don't earn any money playing hockey. So I was, I was very poor at the stage. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd t take up a study uh, that could change my career completely away from sports. So I studied emergency medicine. 
Um, and towards the end of, of the study, um, that was when Giles Bonnet became the national coach. And I went to an IPT. I didn't play any hockey for four years. Um, not, not even club. But in the, in the fifth year, I started playing a bit of club again. I, I got excited about going to IPT that year. And I did, but with no intentions of obviously making it back to the national team. And all of a sudden, yes, the, the new national coach and um, at IPT, uh, had a coffee meeting with him. Uh, and he asked me whether, you know, what it would basically take for me to, to get back into the national team. And I kind of, we had a, you know, a nice discussion about it and he got me all excited about it. And that was the end of that. And that's where the return came from. Um, you know, he made me see that there are, uh, there are some answers. I, I didn't think there were, but I, you know, I only saw kind of problems. Uh, I didn't, I didn't have any solutions for my problems. Um, that kept me out of the game, and he, he, he made me see how that would be possible. And yeah, very thankful for that because it gave me an, an, an extra five years uh, with the national team, and it gave me a professional season uh, in Holland, which was uh, really also one of the highlights, which I was very thankful for. Well, Pity, I mean, I want to interject here and, and say, obviously, I actually didn't realize it was as long as that, it's five years. But what, also, what it also meant coming back uh, was that you could go and break that world record. And, of course, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll never for, forget the shirts. Uh, I think it was, hi, I'm PT221 and counting. And the team was throwing you. I mean, do you yeah. have good memories of that day when you broke the record with the hat trick? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That was a, a spectacular day. Um, it, it was also this, you know, Giles, uh, the coach had this way of kind of working with me. He knew exactly where to push my buttons. And he had this carrot in front of my nose for a very long time. We, he, he said, did you even know that there was this record? I did not. Uh, and he made me completely aware of it. And, and that became a different kind of driving force for me just to keep going and keep chasing the goals. Um, so that particular day, you know, there was a, a period where I went over 200 goals. Um, I was well on my way to the record, which was 221. And then came this drought that was unexplainable. Like I couldn't tell you what happened, but it, it was at least six games or something that I never scored a goal in. And I got a bit stressed about it because it's it's out of character. I was wondering what the heck was going on and what else I needed to do. Um, and I was trying to tell my teammates, please, I will buy you coffee if you set me up properly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, that didn't even work. So anyway, at, at some stage, that drought also ended. And we got to this tournament uh, in Ireland where, uh, the, you know, the tally became really close to the world record. And I think it was a matter of time, really. For it to happen we didn't know exactly when but uh, uh, evidently the team was ready uh, for this occasion with those t-shirts and stuff and, and we played the united states uh, in this particular game and i needed uh, one goal to equal it and then of course the second goal to break it and then i don't know it was just really an amazing goal there was the third goal uh, to go over it. So that was a very, very cool game. And what was also nice about that goal, that particular game is that I scored a field goal. I scored a, um, you know, penalty corner goal. And um, so it was like everything was just put into one game for me. It was really, really nice. 
And and PD, do you remember? Did you know as the goal went in? Holy crap! I've got the record. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I I did know because, uh, you know, it became such a part of of the existence then for me because I was really actively chasing this world record. I knew exactly what I needed to to do to get to the record, and and so did the team, by the way, because um, <laughs> I still I still remember them. Uh, taking a little bit extra in terms of celebration and everybody running up to come and congratulate me um, when that that goal actually happened. Even the goalkeeper came all the way to the halfway line. And I think the the umpires allowed uh, a few extra minutes for the celebrations uh, in that uh, after that goal. <laughs> that was nice of them. Yeah, very nice of them. Um, and then the other thing is that I, I've always had this habit, or not a habit, it actually started with my mum, but... She asked me uh, whenever I score that hundredth goal, or, you know, any anything that I see as a a, um, a a big milestone, I must please keep the ball for her, which I did. I've got a I've got a, a ball that I scored the hundredth goal with, and then two hundred, and uh, the world record goal. Uh, I've actually got the actual ball that that happened with. So I had to make sure that I that someone gets their hands on that that ball. Oh, that is amazing. Amazing stuff. Uh, Pity, obviously, you then also ran away and, and scored another 60-odd goals before you finally called it quits on your career for good. Um, although we're still not sure. We, we have heard that you've been chatting to Victor Matfield and there might be another return <laughs> on the horizon. Uh, well, but, what's, uh, what's, the, what's the current break now since, since, you're, since you retired? What are we on now? No, but, uh, let me just wait, 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 guys, wait. Um, <laughs> something like um, a child happened in the meantime. And <laughs> let me tell you, there, there, there's no ways of coming back from this. On a daily basis, I'm, I'm now struggling just to go for a little trot to keep my health. So um, the time is actually, uh, what are we on? 2014 was my last game at the World Cup. So, yeah, it's, it's well past the due date. Uh, yeah, okay, we, we'll allow it for now, though the, the jury is still out there on Victor if he's going to play in the next World Cup. But, um, you know, you did mention that you hung up your boots or hung up your stick in the 2014 World Cup, and of course your final game obviously produced a goal as well. Um, 287 test matches, which makes you one of the most capped South Africans of all time. Obviously, Marsha runs away with that title a bit. 282 goals, it's a record that's going to be really, really, really difficult uh, to to beat. Um, you know, was there more that you felt you could have done in your career? Because that's, it's a sensational career, but is there any disappointments there? Uh, no, I must be honest, there's not even one. Um, I thought it was perfect. Um, in terms of, you know, how long it was, it was it was super long. I I, I thought I could, I had all the opportunities uh, that I wanted in terms of trying to be the absolute best player that I wanted to be or try to be. Uh, I got a, a you know every opportunity to play on every massive stage and against the best players in the world and compare myself to them and try and be better than them. So, no, I, I think, you know, from a South African hockey standpoint, I got absolutely everything that I'd ever wished for. Um, there's always this, uh, 
in the back of your head, my head rather, let's not your head. <laughs> uh, you know, what what would have or could have been um, had this been a professional sport. Um, but, you know, we know what it is and uh, I, I accept it for what it was uh, and still is to this day. So um, I'm very happy. I'm very, very happy with it. I'm blessed with what I managed to achieve. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've left the sport in terms of playing um, with a very happy heart. When coming back to the sport, though, Pity, and I mean, after five years sitting out, uh, I play squash quite a lot. Um, but during this lockdown, I, I know for a fact I've become a far worse player, and I've just been out for what a, a couple of weeks. I mean, five years being out, making the transition back. Um, you said, was it immediate? I mean, was it just like riding a bicycle? Did you know exactly what was going on before you went on to set the record, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and then I'm going to pose another question with regard to coaching. But yeah, what was that like? No, it was tough uh, because even going to IPT that year for me was a big step up. Because remember, I hadn't played any hockey for quite some time. So as you rightly stated now, it takes a bit out of your body and – uh, hockey, any hockey player will know if you haven't played for a while, the very next day uh, you are struggling to go to the toilet um, because that squatting position is just you know, unbearable. Um, and your thumbs are so, your whole body, it's very taxing. Um, so when I had that meeting coming back at IPT um, uh, with Giles, uh, you know, there was an agreement between us that this kind of transition back into onto international level needs to be a little bit. Um, in stages, uh, so he allowed, he, he gave me a lot of leeway, and in fact, he gave me a lot of leeway uh, with with many things uh, to to make this last part of my career possible, um, which not many coaches, I think, would have done. Uh, but I, I attended a national camp immediately after IPT, and and I wouldn't play absolutely every session, so just to make sure that there's no musculoskeletal uh, injuries, uh, just to get back into it. I remember going to the World Cup in Argentina. Uh, four weeks later and thinking, you know, I'm way off the pace here. Uh, so I just needed to kind of fake it till I make it and play to my strengths, um, uh, make sure that I, I've got the basics right, but don't try and compete in terms of speed because I'll be making a fool of myself, you know. Um, so that, that was kind of the first step. And then systematically, I got myself into really good shape. In fact, I think the last part of my career was in the best shape I I was ever in uh, my entire career. So uh, then it became a bit easier sort of as time went on. Then moving over to coaching, uh, I remember chatting to a, a pro-tier cricketer, well, a former pro-tier cricketer. I won't throw him under the bus, but I asked him, you know, who was the worst captain you played under? And and he said, funny enough, Sean Pollock. And, and the reason why he said he was was because he said Sean Pollock was so talented that he didn't register, and his own words were mere mortals. So he expected people to do things that he was able to do, but most people on the planet were unable to do that. And, and, and did you find that going into coaching where you'd explain to players where, I mean, you hold a specific skill set which very few people in the world are able to, to achieve, uh, if any. Um, and, and did you find yourself getting frustrated when, when you're – uh, when the players were unable to replicate what you wanted them to do? 
Mm. It is, uh, you've put that so nicely. I can't, I, I hope this is recorded um, yes. <laughs> because I need, I need to get that question back. <laughs> That's really beautifully put. Um, but yes, of course, uh, it, it's, that is the challenge and the biggest challenge that coaching is, is giving me uh, is to understand how do I get my message uh, across to to people who are from different planets to what you necessarily, what I am, you know, um, every single part of the framework um, of players who I work with now is completely different to where I'm, I'm learning stuff about the generations that we work with, how they, uh, how they need to get the information from me. Um, what do they hear when I say something to them? How do I, you know, they don't know if I say to them, do, do you know who a player uh, Luciana Amar is? They would say, no, they don't know who that is because it's just the generation before them. So um, every single thing uh, that you're trying to kind of get across to them, you always have to double check. Uh, are you doing it in the right way? Um, so it, it's become so complicated in the sense to, to understand um you know, just the, the retention and the, the gathering of information of the players. That's probably what I'm busiest with most at the moment. Um, but, you know, I, I still think that the the passion um, that I have for the game um, is standing me in good stead here because uh, you can kind of start talking hockey to someone who also loves the game. Um, and, and it's naturally, obviously, the people that you're working with. And they, they get excited about it too if you if you just get that message across in the right way. And, and do you find with the people that you are working with, I mean, no doubt they've done their research into whom, uh, who this person is that's, that's coaching them. Um, no doubt now that they know exactly who it is. But when you first came on board, um, <laughs> I, I know we keep on singing your praises and, and rightly so, but I mean, did they realize that they were in the presence of hockey greatness? I mean, did it dawn on them? Uh, or did you have to kind of remind them, hey, listen, I, I've done quite a few things in my hockey career? <laughs> I remind them on a daily basis. I'm trying I'm, I'm trying for that fact to, to play in my favor. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, you know, you, you could say that so many times, but... Um, yeah, they they may not fully understand. I think you know who who exactly I am, um, and it's and it's still to this day. Um, the the players that I work with, I think, you know, they they know, but they also really don't, um, because uh, in the United States, particularly, um, the players are, it's a big place, you know, and and they know college uh, hockey, and they don't necessarily know any um, massive international players or or what is going on in international hockey necessarily. You've got to be a real, real big fan of hockey to, to make it your job to, to stay on top of what is happening. Uh, so, no, I don't think they really know. But, uh, Peter, I, I was watching an interview the other day with Vincent's uh, company and Romelu Lukaku, the Belgian footballers, and they right. were talking about Thierry Henry as an assistant coach at the national team, and he said... Uh, they actually said he used to give them instructions and then they didn't understand him. He'd take the ball and he'd go and show them how it was done. Yeah. And he'd often go and do, he'd often go get, take part in the, the activity. And often this is eight, six, six or seven years after his retirement and he'd embarrass <laughs> them. You often pick up the stick and say, no, no, not like that, like this. Um, 
I I do as long as it doesn't involve uh, anything further than five meters of running, um, because mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't want to expose my speed currently to them. Um, I have once in the last season I had a little session, a drag flicking session with the players, and I thought, you know, how fun it would be to try and just see what I still can do. And I ended up uh, being in that session for an hour and certainly could uh-huh. walk the next day. <laughs> but that that was that was really good fun because for some you know you said it was you said something about earlier getting back on the bicycle it was something along those lines where I thought if I could just uh, get this technique under the belt I I can certainly pin my positions in the drag flick which I managed to do and all the players are like okay we see you we see you you know <laughs> and uh, <laughs> do you still have it Petey? I do. It's it's well um, sort of buried, very deep, six feet <laughs> under probably. But uh, yeah, if I dig deep enough, I can still get it out there. Oh, superb stuff. Uh, Pity, obviously, uh, the other thing that I... Uh, we, well, we should mention at least um, is the fact that uh, you returned, as you said, and, and you hadn't played or anything, but you are still the only South African to be a finalist uh, since the FIH World Player of the Year has been announced. Of course, it was uh, Marky Pullman that won it in 2011, but you were one of the five finalists. I mean, does things like that, do they sit on your mantelpiece or do you uh, prefer the goals and and the stuff like that? Uh, I think it's all part of a, a really special thing. You know, it's nice to get recognized. I've, uh, in the same breath, it's it's always interesting to pick you know uh, best players in the world when it's a team sport. I've, I've yeah. kind of struggled with that idea as well for my entire career. Um, uh, it's it's certainly good. I I mean I have a memory of of being selected in the world team in uh, 1999, I think it was. Yes. Somewhere in that in that region, and we went uh, as the world team to Egypt to play against the current world champions who was Australia. They were Australia at that time. I mean, that was just absolutely phenomenal to play with what was then seen as, uh, you know, a team of players uh, kind of gelling together from nowhere, different cultures and styles, etc. cetera, uh, playing against the world champions. That was an amazing event. Um, so, yeah, I think it's special. Um, of course, also, you know, as a player, you, you're working uh, all the time to to try and be the best. And it's nice. It's nice when you get recognized uh, for something. Um, it it yeah. kind of gives you that pat, pat on the back and encouragement, yes. I, I don't remember that All-Stars game, but what an amazing concept that must have been. Mm. Yeah, it was a one-off thing. I, I never saw it again. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I didn't see it before then, but that was really very... Very, very cool. Um, there were some uh, awesome players. I mean, uh, Karina Masotto back then um, um, was in that team from Argentina. She's the lady who invented, certainly in the women's game, the backhand shot or the tomahawk shot. Um, so, yeah, there were some spectacular players in, in that in that setup. No question if we were to ask many players out there who's the toughest player you've come against. Uh, 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 quite a few would mention the name, Peter Gutsia. Um, Who's the toughest player you've come against, uh, come up against? Oh, wow, that is hard. Look, um, 
I'm going to categorize two. One, one for me was a, a, a Dutch defender called Minka Boy. Uh, she was just hard as nails to play against. It always felt like physically you would feel her presence everywhere in terms of a striker playing against her. You know, you would get that nudge before you receive the ball. Um, so you needed to know exactly what you were doing to try and get around her. Uh, the second player that I think is just, you certainly wouldn't have a nudge because you would never catch her, was um, Luciana Amar. played against her many times, world's, world's best player. And um, in fact, I watched um, a documentary on her not so long ago, probably a week or two ago. And uh, I, I happened to be in that um, documentary as a player. In an exclusive sister. interview. But let me tell you, I don't think um, if they'd asked my permission if I should be in there, I would have said no because she made me look like a fool. She ran completely circles around us with such speed and, and grace and just tremendous skill. So she was super tough to play against. She never knew what she was going to do and, and how easily she would do it. Um, I was about to say, it's actually, I, think I actually just saw that that Luciana Emma, that documentary is available on Netflix here in South Africa. So uh, really good, very uh, good uh, documentary and, and yeah, a must watch for any hockey lover for sure. Jeez. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. Pity we could we could go on all night. Uh, just quickly, just tell us about your 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 family. I, you say you've got kids. I mean, geez, one's very young. Yes, very young. Um, so I've got a three-year-old, uh, Scotty May, and uh, my, my wife Roxy. Uh, we were expecting twins, and they were due. They were born on twenty-seventh uh, of January. Um, Maxi is Maxi Michaela is a little girl. And then Jesse Gunner, uh, he was diagnosed with congenital heart disease. He underwent surgery straight after birth and uh, unfortunately passed away. So it was a, a very tough loss for us. Still is a very tough loss for us to deal with. But uh, certainly very, very blessed to have Maxie and Scotty part of our family. And of course, Roxy uh, currently doing an amazing job with uh, Maxie. And, and so, yeah, we we su- we super um, loving and happy family. Oh, I uh, yeah, sincerest condolences. At um, yeah, geez, pity. Best of luck for this lockdown. Um, it, it has been certainly tough for all of us, and uh, I mean, we keep on drumming home the fact that on the sporting front, um, yeah, <laughs> we don't want to say anyone's the worst affected because you know everyone's fighting their own battles. But um, sports certainly are, are one of the biggest victims, and, and I can imagine it must be extremely tough, especially over in the states, uh, given the numbers that we see emanating from there. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, uh, uncertain times. Nobody knows what our future is holding. It's been a a big uh, shock for everyone in in terms of what the impact of this is all all around the world. Nobody is being spared yet. Um, But I'm I'm, I'm pretty certain that, uh, you know, sport, uh, as always, is going to be the thing that brings everybody together again after this COVID-19. Um, it's going to be the thing that uh, is going to set the example, uh, perhaps in you know behavior and, and, and what we can do and how we can come through this. So uh, let's really just hope that it, it is what it's going to be, and um, you know wish wish that people stay safe and, and healthy. I know that Tyron asked the question uh, at the beginning of the show and kind of jumped your way around it uh, regarding international coaching. Now, with the Olympics having been postponed for a year. I mean, what, that's uh, mm. just uh, over 365 days away now, Tokyo 2021. Could you see yourself 
heading to another Olympics. Of course, not as a player this time. Well, you made that absolutely certain earlier. Uh, we would not bet against <laughs> it, though. But, um, yeah, I mean, would you completely rule that possibility out? No, I, I would hate to rule it out. Um, I I would think it's it certainly is something that's, that's very possible. Uh, whether it's going to be Japan in a year, I... Hmm, I'm, I'm, can probably with the with confidence say it's unlikely um yeah but i mean in the, the future i i think there is going to be something brewing somewhere who i like the sound of that before you go Petey, uh we've got to put you on the spot with our dreaded one question quiz um very simple the name says it all one question you're either right or you're wrong i want to know who this is listen up closely I think at the end of the day, it was such an overall great experience. Qualifying with my first row of 65.92. And to finish off fourth was really, really pleasing. Ooh, that's no other than Sinead Fouyun, right? Oh, you hit the nail on the head. Congratulations, a fellow (laughs) Olympian like you. I'm sure you must have caught up uh, at a few Olympics, the two of you. Yeah, certainly. We crossed paths, had dinner together. Um, she's, uh, She's an amazing athlete. Honestly, also... Uh, just how long her career has been and how well she's done and keeps going. Fantastic athlete, really. Yeah, yeah another one who makes us so proud in South Africa, mm. which is obviously something, Petey, you did throughout your career. And, and I'm grateful that uh, you did come out of retirement because, uh, as you say, you played the best years, obviously, when hockey was starting to get more coverage. Social media was coming alive and, and we were able to see many of those goals that took you past the record and to that wonderful total of 282. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah, it was, it's, uh, it's been fantastic and continues to serve me very well. So uh, I feel very lucky. I have to apologize to previous guests because in the past, the one-question quiz has been extremely difficult. But uh, this time around, uh, I basically played a, a clip of very, a very good friend of yours and, and asked you to identify that person. So, uh, <laughs> But that being said, when you score 282 goals for your country, you get the right to get an easy question in the one-question quiz. Pity, it's been an absolute honor uh, having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, best of luck down under lockdown over in the states and yeah we we really hope that this thing ends soon that you are able to go out there coach your way to greatness and uh, yeah who knows even maybe uh be on another trip to an olympics within a year yeah i'm super excited and thank you so much for this opportunity i appreciate it and i wish you guys also all the best fantastic stuff uh pity good luck to you and your family stay safe during this uh, virus and Look uh, for all the national coaches and stuff that do listen to the podcast, which we know there are a couple. Um, there is a definite consultant that you should consider for your Olympic Games squad. <laughs> there we go. Cheers, PD. Ciao, guys. Well, I'm going to say it again, Ty, and I mean it always, but I don't think it has ever applied more than right now. What a legend. Yeah, absolutely. Derek, uh, you know, as I say, uh, I've been fortunate to meet amazing sports people. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm always in awe of sports. sportsmen and sportswomen have reached the top of their game because uh, it takes something. But to meet Pity and, and just listen to her talk, she's determined, she's focused, and she knew she was going to break that record. You know, as soon as someone told her about the record, she knew she was going to make that record. And 
it's why she's such a phenomenal uh, a hockey person, not just a player, coach. And I have no doubt in my mind that we are going to see Petey Kutsia on the side of a field with a national team as a head coach in the future. Ah, yeah, I can pretty much guarantee it. You, you know what I love as well? You speak about the hockey record and, and a lot of people in the past that we've spoken to, and this is across all sports, particularly I think on the cricketing front because that's a, um, a sport that has a lot of numbers and a, a lot of records that are readily available for, for players to break. Obviously, they're good. But um, players that have broken records in the past, um, you usually ask them or you hear people ask them, you know, you know what was it like? And they're... They're kind of uh, very vague, blasé about the whole thing. They're like, oh, I didn't even know that I broke it. Meanwhile, you know for a fact, they know every single minute of, the, of when they were in the process of breaking it. And, and pity was vociferous now, saying, no, geez, it was top of mind. How could I not think about it? You know, it was my every waking hour was at 282, 282. And, and yeah, it's cool to hear such forthright honesty. You know, you know what I love doing is, she's like, I went through the worst gold drafts of my <laughs> life. Six, I was like, She's the longest gold drought in any sport that I played was probably 66 games. <laughs> um, so she's like a terrible gold drought. Uh, yeah, six games. It's a problem I think many strikers these days would love if their, their gold yes. drought was only six games. Yeah, geez, what a problem to have. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's uh, well done, Chis. Uh, you knocked it out the park with this one. Uh, in your latest capture of uh, a superb guest. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's one in a million. She's one in 282 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, thanks so much. Uh, we'll catch up again soon as we look forward to the next episode of Hockey the Podcast. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay safe. Uh, stay warm as it's uh, going to start getting a bit cold. And uh, come join us. Nothing better to do. Adios. Cheers. <laughs>